We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, the first thing we're going to discuss is we were going to do a we, on Wednesday, we were going to do a so, so should they stay or go type of show. And at the time, we were going to t- discuss Michael Mayer and then we were going to discuss Isaiah Foskey and then some others. Well, then they had the Brandon Hillman commitment and Michael Mayer declared on Wednesday and then mm-hmm. Isaiah Foskey declared yesterday. So, I think it actually did not doing a show yesterday to me, actually, Ryan worked out because we would have wasted time talking about whether or not Isaiah Foskey should or shouldn't stay. Now he's made his decision because I think the the thing that you and I probably would have said he needed to do probably wasn't going to happen. Right. And I think that had already kind of been decided what he was going to do. And now we can just talk about his decision. And what does it mean for Notre Dame? We'll get mm-hmm. into the draft implication stuff down the road. I know you talked a little bit about it last night with Sean Styers. We'll talk about it more as we kind of get through the bowl season, through the signing days, and get closer to the combine, and then the draft coming up. Of plenty to talk about these two players as, as draft prospects, where they may be picked, and there'll be a lot more clarity then too, Ryan. You know, and as we get through pro days, and com- I would imagine both of those guys will get combine invites. My, I, you know, I imagine uh, they'll probably work out some at the pro day, uh, depending on how the combine goes. So I have plenty of time to talk about the NFL draft aspect of their departure. We're going to focus right now on the, you see, we have a little special co-host here. That's Rita. So, um, but, uh, so we're going to have a little bit of a, a discussion here on sort of where does Notre Dame go and, and how do they replace them? Now, the negative towards players sitting out bowl games is you don't have some of your best players for bowl games. The positive, however, Ryan is these practices and these games because Isaiah and Michael did the right thing and made their decision early, didn't go through practices and all that kind of stuff. They didn't take reps away from kids who will be doing this. And that's some of the, I've had some issues in the past with guys like Ohio state last year, they had guys that kind of went through the practices and then decided to leave, you know, sit out. These kids did it the right way, made their decision early. They're moving on. And now Notre Dame gets a chance at both positions, tight end and Viper to see what, what they have next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's a almost an immediate kind of test period to see what you have, right? I mean, we talked, we called it what an evaluation process, right? Is kind of what we're looking at for the next, you know, X amount of practices, whatever practice they're already on for the bowl prep. And you get to see what you have currently, where maybe you need to bolster the roster, where you need to improve, where the players need to make improvements. So I think this is kind of just a little sneak peek into what spring is going to look like, right? What fall might next year might look like. And you have options, which would be interesting. And you have some guys that are more veteran laden options on the roster too, Brian. And then we'll get to see if maybe Notre Dame goes a little more in the youth movement discussion or if there's a combination of the two, right? So I think that it's going to be interesting because you're going to see different scenarios as far as what the number of snaps players get, what the volume perspective is for certain guys. If we see guys that we haven't seen much of at this point into the season. So it's going to be fascinating, especially at Viper is one where we've already talked about, you know, kind of the excitement over a couple players you already have on the roster. What do they look like in the bowl game? Do they start to get that, you know, extra workload or is it something that you just kind of ease them along? So both at tight end and Viper, I think you have a little bit of a test period to see, what you have currently and where you need to go in order to get to, you know, the necessary level that you, that you deem a necessity to be a successful team. So let's begin a tight end. Mm-hmm. Michael Mayer was the first player to announce that he was leaving. I'm not even going to get into the Mackey award because then this show will become a go a completely different direction. But, but, but Brian, so th- th- we're, this, we're not going to get into the Mackey award because this show is going to go in a I was just, completely I was just, different direction. I was just going to say, <laughs> I won't go to that keyword. I'll just say that those were some of the worst awards recipients that I've seen. Not I wanted to be like, tell me that. you don't watch college football without telling me you don't watch college football. It's kind of how I felt about the award show last there was like There was like three or four where I was just like, really? That's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't have to get into it. I apologize. Yes. Yes. Insane. <laughs> so Ryan's just trying to tweak me on this Friday. Y'all see it. Y'all see it. Someone ask it in the mailbag. Ask it in the no, mailbag. I mean, if we, if, I, if we get into the rant in the mailbag, I mean, that's the place for rants. I want to try to keep this section to, you know, staying on topic and, and where we're going to go. So when we first look at Michael Mayer, obviously you're losing great production. 
the most prolific tight end in Notre Dame history. Mm-hmm. One of the three most pro, you know, productive tight ends in the country this year, depending on that. Some, I think catches, he ended up like third yards. He ended up like second or third touchdowns. He finished first. And a guy that has just been really an impact player from the minute he stepped foot on campus. And as a, as a junior became a much more effective blocker as the season went on and really became an all around player, incredible force in the lineup, great third down weapon, and and then off the field, the other stuff, you know, the leadership, the the work ethic, the standard that he set for how to go about your business on a daily basis. All of those things are are aspects of this that you're going to lose. And that's the thing about losing a guy like a Michael Mayer, even more so than maybe some of the other players they're going to lose from the current roster is his impact on this football team went way beyond just, wow, he was really good and he was productive. Right, and I think that's what adds into sort of the the challenge of replacing a guy like him is you're not just replacing sixty seven catches for eight hundred and nine yards and nine touchdowns. You're replacing mm-hmm. someone who forced defenses to to focus on him, someone who took attention away from the other guy, someone who off the field was a leader, was had a great work ethic, was someone who could hold people to a certain standard and had the the voice to walk in and say, "Uh, uh-uh, this isn't okay, this isn't happening." You know, and you're losing all that. And that's not going to be easy to replace. And the reality is there is no one player that's going to replace all of that. There's not two or three players that are going to replace all of that. It is truly, and we'll get into the specifics of what we mean by this, the the, replacing everything that Michael Mayer brought to the table is going to require an entire team effort. And I don't mean that hyperbolically. When I mean team, offensive team, I'm talking about the offensive team. It's going to require an entire effort from everybody. And I, I don't say that, like I said, I don't say that hyperbolically, right? No, I mean, it, it's hard to quantify, honestly, Brian, because like it'd be easy to just talk about supplementing production, right? Like we could talk here, you know, pretty easily about, you know, where can they go to get 67 more receptions on the roster, right? Where are they going to get 809 yards? Where can they get nine touchdowns? And that's the easy part, right? But I think what makes Michael Mayer so special is that despite only being a junior and probably what, 21 years old? He was incredibly mature for his age and he has those, he has that charisma to him where people follow him, right? The off, like there's no question of who the, like the leader is offensively, right? Like everyone's going to look to that guy because that's what everyone wants to emulate. That's who everyone wants to be. That's the guy. And I just really can't speak as highly enough of Michael Mayer because truly one of the best players that I've ever seen, Dawn the Blue and Gold, one of the best players of my lifetime, you know, bar none. He's that type of dude. He did it only in three years, which is just miraculous, remarkable, whatever word you want to use. Like, it's not hyper- hyperbole to say that this was a truly – This was we watched a legend play for the last three years. We did. Like, that's who Michael Mayer was. But I agree with you. It's not just going to come down to – three tight ends in the room, maybe using 12 personnel and using actually both tight ends in the passing game more than we have seen. It's not going to come down to just supplementing production. It's going to come down to, Hey, so why receivers that need to step up, right? So maybe some running, but more running back usage in the past game. There's, you have to kind of take little parts of everything because again, you're replacing a legend here, folks. Like you're not just replacing a really good football player. You're replacing one of the best that has ever done it at a school that produces tight ends as well as anybody. Right. I mean, Notre Dame is tight end you, and he is arguably the best to ever do it. Like, I mean, that's where we are right now. So I think when you look at this loss, it doesn't come down to, you know, it doesn't come down to 
Eli Raritan holding Stace or holding Stace and Michael Bauman or Michael Bauman and Kane Baron. Like it doesn't come down to just figuring out who the next tight ends are in line. It comes down to why receivers need to supplement production. Running backs need to pick it up. Offensive line. There needs to be guys that make themselves the de facto third down option, right? The guy that you trust in those high pressure situations. This is going to be a collaborative effort. So yeah, we're going to talk about what the tight end position might look like, right? Because that's obviously the, the starting points. But I agree with you 100% in the sense that this isn't just where this ends, right? The conversation the conversation might start with who's the tight ends that need to pick up the slack, but it doesn't end there. It completely can, quickly goes into what around him needs to – what around them needs to help supplement that production as well. So – the first, the, so the first thing to understand about the tight end position at Notre Dame, and it's a little strange as we get into what's it going to look like next year. Notre Dame kind of has two tight end positions, and it's almost like W and X, where they don't view every player to be able to do both. Some guys are more one or the other, right? And and so the, it's an F, and I believe the other one is H, is the two positions that they have. Mayer was the F. He'll line up attached some, but he's going to move around a ton, play in the slot, move outside. That's actually part of the offense. It's not just, oh, we did it because of Michael Mayer. That's kind of what that position does. And then the other one is more of the traditional tight end that Mitchell Evans played. So as you kind of look into, let's first talk about how you replace Michael Mayer in the lineup. Then we'll dive into the production and all those other type of things. So how you replace him in the lineup, the first question you have to ask yourself is, who are your two tight ends, who your top two tight ends going to be? Because I think that's going to have an impact. So um, some people say, well, you just slide Mitchell Evans over to that position. I, I don't think that's necessarily how they're going to go. I think it depends on who's your number two tight end. Is it Eli Raritan? Will he be back in time to step into that role? Is it Kevin Bauman? Is it going to be Kane Barong? Is it going to be Holden Stace? We don't know the answer to that question yet. And the reason it's important to know that answer is because you're not going to move at least a smart coach won't move Mitchell Evans to to Michael Mayer's role mm-hmm. if the number two tight end is Holden Stace or Kane Barong, right? Or if one of those guys steps into the is their best tight end and Mitchell Evans stays number two, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of a, a big part of it. Is it's not as easy just saying, well, Mitchell Evans was the number two, he slides into that role that Mayer left. That's not how it works. It's technically considered. It's like saying if the W leaves your best receivers, Braden Lindsay, you're not going to move Braden Lindsay into the spot that your best player played. Who's the W, right? It's just not quite how it works. And so uh, to me, it, that's going to be a part of it. Now, obviously with Holden Stace, uh, he got a lot, a lot of chance to play this year. Eli Raritan, his situation, he's a bit of a wild card right now because he mm-hmm. tore his knee again, same knee. That's two injuries to the same knee. That's not a good sign. We don't know how he's going to heal. We don't know the timeline. He got hurt kind of middle of the year. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of is going to put him into fall camp return type of time right. at the earliest. So that's going to be an interesting part of this conversation, Ryan. So uh, mm-hmm. what I do know is this, barring mm-hmm. just guys going off in the offseason, and even then it may not matter, Mitchell Evans is going to have a, a key role in this offense next year. Right. The, the question that I have is, do you, if he is your number one tight end, are you going to maintain playing a lot of 12 and then he stays as your sort of your H, which is the more traditional tight end, and then maybe a Barong and a Stace step into that other role? 
when and then maybe then your pass game focuses more on what the traditional tight end does as opposed to the detached tight end Mm -hmm. do you have more 11 personnel stuff which then allows him to stay in the role he is now a little bit more uh and you can have him attached more which adds some some something to your run game a little bit out of your 11 personnel alignments those are all different things are going to factor into just who plays where and how much right and so i think that's the first thing that 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 people have to understand is that adds a little bit of an intrigue. It's not as easy to say mayor go, or Mitchell Evans goes here and so-and-so moves here. And it just, the way that they run their tight end, it, it makes it a little bit, um, it's a little bit unique as far as who's, who's going to be that guy to replace mayor in the lineup mm-hmm. because Mitchell Evans may become the number one tight end, but it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to replace Michael Mayer in that spot in the lineup. Right. Well, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting, Brian is, if the unfortunate injury didn't happen to Eli Raritan and maybe he just kept projecting and kind of developing the way he was going. I mean, do you feel like if Eli Raritan was healthy and maybe him and Mitchell Evans were the de facto top two, I think Eli that would potentially maybe give you a little bit more diversity to play both spots, right? Like, I mean, I think that Eli with how he was blocking, if he continued just to, you know, get stronger and develop, like, he could potentially be an F or an H in this offense. So I think that you can now look at that and be like, hey, does that do those positions become a little interchangeable, right? Because maybe Mitchell can do a little bit more detached and then you feel fine about Eli being more in line. Or if you just want to keep Mitchell in line more, then you could detach Eli Raritan a ton, right? So I think that also hurts the projection a little bit because I do think that Eli Raritan, if healthy and fully counted upon, could be that guy that maybe could play both spots. So that could help the inter- interchangeableness. But to your point, Holden Stace is a gifted athlete, can really catch the football. And I think he's got potential to be a guy that can put his hand in the dirt as he continues to develop. But right now he's 230-something pounds, right? Like he's just not fully developed to that role. Kane Barong is just naturally a little bit of a smaller or shorter guy, I should say. I shouldn't say small because he's pretty – I mean, he's like 240-something pounds, right? So like he's pretty packed together. But I, I think that right now makes the most sense to me, Brian, is that you're hoping that, again, until Eli's back and you can kind of depend on him, I, I look at Holden and I look at Kane Barong, like those types yeah. of guys, and say, one of you guys needs to show me that you can play you can play F in this offense. If right. you can, then you feel comfortable with just keeping Mitchell there because I think Mitchell can be a really effective player I mean, regardless, though, if you do stick with that option and you play a lot of 12 personnel still, you need to use Mitchell Evans in the passing game next year. Like, you need to be able to do that to supplement production. I know we'll talk about that more, but I I think the most natural thing is see who wins the F spot, hopefully. I personally just don't think Mitchell Evans fits that role the way Michael Mayer does. I think he's a better fit for the position he's in now, right? And And – what I would say is if Mitchell's your best tight end, this isn't a comment on can he be their best tight end? That's not mm-hmm. it at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think he can become their best tight end. It's it's okay, but is are you using him best at F or H? That's kind of where mm-hmm. I look at it. And mm-hmm. so to me, it's like, okay, if he's going to be your best tight end, I'd still use him. I mean, you can spread him out a little bit, but I mean, look, Michael Mayer, Mitchell Evans doesn't move like Michael Mayer did. He's, you know, they're different type of athletes. He's not as strong as Michael Mayer. So like Michael Mayer, you know, didn't always gain separation with great athleticism and speed. That's not his game. You know, him and Brock Bowers are polar opposites in that regard. Right. But he was so strong and Mitch Levins is not close to that right now. Now he's a little longer than Michael Mm -hmm. Mayer, 
but he doesn't get great separation. We saw that this year and times when he was asked to run vertically. I think where he could really be a wet weapon in the pass game is more as an attached guy, max, matched up against linebackers, matched up against safeties, working the seams, the overs, the unders, like, the crossers, like, things like that. Yeah. Maybe more like a Troy Nicholas type yes. of player. Yes, yeah. very much so. Very yeah. much so. Uh, more of a and, – and also how they use Cole Komet to a degree. You know, more of a, you know, you can still line him up outside a little bit, but I think that's more of a role that fits him than as opposed to, you know, Mayer just out bullying people out in space. Sure. And having, because like there were times where Michael Mayer's hauling in balls where you're like a normal tight end isn't strong enough to make that play. He's just so physically strong that you're just like, there's nothing you could do. Uh, The mistake would be is if they try to make Mitchell Evans into Michael Mayer. And I don't think the staff is going to do that. I think they're smart enough to know that this was a unique player it would yep. be unfair to ask Mitchell to be that. It's more about, okay, here's who we have on the offense now. Let's tailor it to those guys. And for me, I think that means Mitchell Evans stays at H. Now, if he is your best guy, then you just tailor your pass game to using that role more as opposed to the F more. And maybe that right. F position becomes more of a 21 personnel where it's more of a back playing some of those things. Uh, you know, taking those reps, meaning not running the same routes Michael Mayer did, but taking those reps and then building around what that looks like. Maybe it's more 11 personnel. I actually would like to see that a little bit more. Then that also, I think, then makes Kane Barong and, and Holden Stace, as those guys fit into those roles, a little bit, you know, takes a little bit of the pressure off of them. And then if there's certain games where they're hot and they're rolling, you can run more 12 personnel. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're going to have to see this Notre Dame coaching staff adapt their pass game next year, no matter who wins the F or whatever the case may be, because there is nobody that can run the route package that Michael Mayer did the way that he did. They're going to need to do more things where the tight end is a little bit more of a complimentary role at times than it was this year. And then allow the production to still be really good, but production where it comes off of because you're using your other position so much. I think that's something we're going to have to see more of next year at the tight end position. Well, I think 11 personnel makes a lot of sense if we're if Notre Dame's going to use it more than they use it this past season too, Brian, because I I, th- I mean, like we talked about it, right? You have four scholarship receivers coming back, but you have a four-man class, and depending on what happens in the transfer portal side of things, like you're going to have now starting to get a really dynamic wide receiver room, a really talented one at least, right? So I start looking at that and say – if you run more 11 personnel, one, you can just get more wide receivers on the field naturally, right? Like that's an easy numbers game. But you also, with a offensive line that should be pretty darn good coming back with, you know, a, a hopefully a, a more consistent quarterback position and the running backs you have coming back, lightening that box a little bit just from a numbers perspective is interesting. Because like you said, if you have – if you have a t- you know promising tight ends, but nothing proven commodity where you don't want to line them up a ton outside to you know take advantage of matchups, having a guy like a Mitchell Evans or or a Holden Stace at times or a Eli Raritan or whoever it ends up being as kind of that mismatch weapon over the middle of the field against you know linebackers and maybe a safety occasionally, like that's that's a, an interesting proposition. So I, I mean, I personally just think that eleven personnel makes a lot of sense, but that is barring. I mean, what if we go into the offseason and Holden Stace is just balling all offseason, right? Like, I mean, that could happen because he's that talented, right? What if Kane Barak finally, you know, has a full healthy offseason where he's able to take that step? What happens if Eli has a, you know, quick kind of – well, I don't want to say quick because, you know, that's not going to be super quick. But if he gets back relatively quickly 
from the ACL and then he's kind of, you know, back where he started and still the athlete that he was before the injury. I mean, there's a lot of variables that are dependent, but I mean, my natural first opinion is that 11 personnel makes a lot of sense. Cause I think that there's a lot of wide receivers next year that you're going to get on the fields, you know, from the Tobias Merriweather's Deion Colsey's from the Lorenzo styles to the incoming freshmen to Jaden Thomas. There's a lot of options at wide receiver. So that'll also make it easier to, get more wide receivers involved in the passing game, to get more guys reps, to do all those types of things. So 11 personnel for me is the natural first thing that my mind goes, if I'm being completely honest. Depending on how they use it, and I think you started to say it without saying it. Yeah. Uh-huh. If the starting rotation looks something like Dion and Tobias on the outside, then yeah. That's where some of that production goes to. That's where some of that, it's third and eight, who do we go to? And we started to see that late in the year, as yep. you were, I, I see I took it, Ryan. I'm going to let you go with it. I was just going to say, if you have the Twin Towers outside, you're going to supplement some size that way too, right? right? Like even outside of production, it's like, where's our safety blanket? Where's our catch radius? Where's that type of insurance blanket? We started to see that late downs. in the year, Ryan. As teams yep. focus on Michael Mayer, who became the clutch third down guy for it's Notre Dame Deion. last year? It's Deion Colsey. Yep. Right. And they did that without Tobias Merriweather. So if Tommy Reese is going to run the offense the way he's run it the last three years, in, in all of its forms and iterations, size on the outside is imperative to what to, to it because it just gives you so many options run game blocking wise, but also in the pass game. That's something that Tobias Merriweather, who's as skinny as he was, that's an area of the game that he was pretty good at in the times he was in the game. He's a pretty good blocker, I thought. Jaden Thomas developed into a really strong block. We're going to talk about Jaden Thomas here in a second. You know, Dion, there's a reason we're leaving Jaden Thomas out for now. But I think we talk about the replacing the production. The easiest answer is the receivers have to produce more. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of that is, is, is having a little bit more balance in how the ball is spread out. I think they hurt Michael Mayer by not spreading the ball out more. I think he might have had a few fewer catches, but more yards if they would have protected him a little bit more and and allowed other guys to make an impact hit Braden Lindsay on some of those deep shots. And all of a sudden you're like, well, you can't have your safeties just coming down on Michael Mayer all day. Cause we're just going to keep banging this deep shot. And that's where not having a quarterback that was either able or willing to throw the ball down the field effectively really hurt Michael Mayer's production. Yeah. So I think having that more, more outside presence is a must. And that, in, that includes number one improvement at quarterback Mm-hmm. No matter if it's a portal guy or someone on the current roster, whoever's a quarterback, it requires that. But then it also means you've got to start, you've got to push Dion and Tobias. You've got to really ride them and, and do what you need to do to get them ready to go and be more productive players and more key players in your offense. You've got to, you know, forget the whole, well, they've got to earn it. Yes. Okay. Make them earn it, but push them to earn it. It's okay for coaches to do that. Say, hey, this is who I think we need to have. Let's give those guys a, a, a shot, a, a real good push to see if they can seize it. And if they don't seize it, then somebody else steps into that role. But here's why I think 11 personnel is going to be so impactful. And that is if you go 11 personnel and do what we just talked about, you have those two kids outside. You know, you'll have, think, you know, Lorenzo Styles is a guy that can play inside and outside if he comes back. And we expect them to come back as of right now. So we're talking about him. He's a guy that can be an outside guy. You can mix up and put a little bit more speed on the field, him at slot or him outside. Jade Thomas can still play outside. You're going to have Braylon James coming in, Jaden Greathouse coming in, this guys that can play outside right away. 
And then, of course, you have the tight ends. You can replace some of the production with the running backs. But here's the key. Jaden Thomas is the guy that, in my opinion, right now mm-hmm. projects best to take some of the specific routes that Michael Mayer was effective on. Because as we saw this season, when Jaden Thomas was at his best, he was working from the slot. But what he would give you is a little bit more vertical speed, as we saw at times this year against BYU, against Navy, where you can actually threaten the vertical part of the offense a little bit more. And he's a big, strong 215-pound kid that can do some things on the edge of, you know, duo and inside zone where he can get in some guys' ways. You can run some of those like Y screens that you do right now with Mayer. You can run those with Jaden Thomas, where it's it's not the screens that they're given to him now, where it's like that's not the screen you should get him, but the one where you're, he's catching the flats and you've got guys blocking downfield for him. That's where a kid like Jaden Thomas can have some impact, working the seams, working the option routes, working the middle of the field, where his strength and size and just unique build can be an asset for you. And yep. so I actually think he right now might be the guy that would most naturally, at least in the bowl game, fit into sort of a let's have some of the stuff we've naturally do be Jaden Thomas. I would I would love to see in the bowl game Deion Coles, he started at W, Tobias Merriweather starting at X, and have Jaden Thomas at F and then move Lorenzo all around and yep. just kind of split up the reps between all four of those guys. I would love to see that in the bowl game. And I think that would be good for Tyler Buckner. I think it'd be good for Steve Angeli if he has to play. And I think it would give us a glimpse into what the best alignment this team can have next year from an 11 personnel standpoint. I'd also love to see a lot more 21. I hope in the bowl game we see a lot more balance from mm-hmm. a from a formational personnel standpoint because you don't have Michael Mayer. But I also right. think this bowl situation, Ryan, is a it's the opportunity for Camberong. Mm-hmm. This next few months is like, look, there is no mayor. There is no Eli Raritan. There is no Kevin Bauman. You have no choice but to give him reps. What does he do with it? Right. Is going to be something interesting to see, in my opinion. Well, and thank you for stopping me because I was about to go to Jaden Thomas a couple of minutes ago <laughs> with, because I mean, it, it makes sense, man. Like it does. I mean, because a lot of what he does well translates to that position, right? Like he's not a tight end, even though, who was it? Uh, who was it? Jack Collinsworth that said he was a tight end, or was it no? Was, is the guy from yeah the Alabama quarterback Greg McElroy? Uh, it was Greg McElroy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. So you know, despite what Greg McElroy tried to tell everyone, you know, he's not a t- he's not it an still wasn't tight even end. 14 personnel, even if he is a tight end. They had two running backs <laughs> on the field. It's just so stupid. It had been 23. Really if stupid. you thought he was a tight end, it's 23. It's still not 14. Yes. Yes. Under no well, circumstance was that 14 personnel. Yeah, it was it was wild, man. So it's it double wild, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was double stupid. That's a good way to put it. But it, it it still is a very interesting proposition, though, because he does fit a lot of what you need at that position from a passing game perspective, right? And he – I mean, I thought James Thomas really improved as a blocker throughout the season. You know, like early on it was just – there was effort, but I just don't think it was functionally great. But then towards the course of the season, he became a really valuable player as far as his blocking contributions, working from the slot. And then he's obviously a big body. Like, there's no doubt. And, I mean, he showed you some ability to win in a lot of different ways. You know, like I saw him late in the season. He was he was breaking off some routes, man, and creating some easy separation. It was great to see. You saw him win some seams. You even saw him win a couple 50-50 balls outside, which was nice to see, right? So, as a guy that could be like a versatile movement-based chess piece a little bit, Jaden fits that, I think, right? So, 
you have to understand exactly what you what your strategy is with him. You can't ask him to be something he's not, which they did in parts of this season. But if you ask Jaden Thomas to be what he is, I think he can be a valuable asset to him. Call him a Swiss Army knife, call him an F, call him whatever you want. The 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 blank the point blank period to it though is that he is a movement based player that can give you that can provide mismatch potential for an offense. So I think it makes a lot of sense. But again, that is dependent upon are you going to get the skyscrapers outside, right? Like you, you yep. need to get those guys outside to make this work. But I think it can work as incredibly well. And yes, I'm I'm not going to echo your sentiment to 21 personnel too much, Brian, because we've both been kind of pounded on it for, for the entire year, right? But I really do like the option for Jaden Thomas. And I think that it's an, op- an opportunity to be very, very creative in the bowl game for Tommy Reese if he wants to yeah. be. Well, I mean, we saw this year from Jaden, I'm looking at the pro football focus breakdown of how he lined up and he lined up 185 snaps in the slot and 70 outside. And I I just feel like that's where he's best. You know, I think that's where he works best. I think that's where you can use him and that's where he could become a really impressive uh, third down weapon. And, you know, you look at his numbers and they have him down here for, Let's see here. What did he have? 20 catches on the year, Ryan. Mm-hmm. 15 of them went for first downs. That's according awesome. to Pro Football Focus. That's a really good rate. Now, I mean, receivers, you're going to be over half, right? I mean, but that's that's 75% of your catches you're going for a first down. Why? Because that is that money. I, I really felt as a quarterback, when I had a tight end or a slot that was really good, that's the best third down weapon you can have. Because the best where I want, because that's a lot of third down is also a down and distance where teams like to bring pressure mm-hmm. and having that guy over the middle is huge. And, and it doesn't have to be a tight end. I, and I think that's where Jaden Thomas could be a really effective weapon. Let Dion and Tobias and Lorenzo and the freshmen get all that, you know, down the field and maybe some of that big love. But when it's third down and five, it's like everybody in the stadium kind of knows watch out for 83 on this play. And it's those plays that help you are the difference between being a, a good offense and a great offense is having a, the guys that can do all the different types of things, not just having one guy that does everything like we saw from Michael Mayer. And I think that's where I felt at times they didn't necessarily do justice to Michael Mayer because they didn't do more to take some of the burden off of him, which I think would have upped his production and made them a much better offense. I also feel that Notre Dame felt they were limited at quarterback and didn't feel that they could do that at times. And that's just the reality of it. So it's going to be an interesting battle. I think, as you, as we said, there's plenty of options to sort of replace the production, but the production should get spread around more is really what it comes down to. Yes. 